Welcome to Bethesda Church's podcast for May 5th, 2014. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Roy Burkett and is titled, Witnesses of Jesus. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 5, verses 31 to 46, and join us as we hear from Pastor Roy speaking from Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. This is more exciting to me than any Super Bowl, to be in God's house with God's people. It's a wonderful thing. Today we're continuing our series in John chapter 5, Witnesses for Jesus. Really the, the purpose of this message today will be twofold. Number one, to challenge us to be the witnesses we need to be. And I imagine if we took time to really ask ourselves the question, as I asked myself the question, am I really the witness God wants me to be? Or do I want to improve as a witness for Jesus Christ? I want you to ask yourself the same question. Are you the witness God wants you to be, or would you like to improve as a witness for Jesus Christ? Would you like to be a better witness tomorrow than you are today? I think all of us, if we are really in tune with God, we want to be a better witness, don't we? Wouldn't it be neat if God, God said, could I, could I use you, and put your name in there, could I use you this next year to lead just a couple people to Jesus Christ? But, but in the process of that, maybe I have to, to bend some things and twist some things that you don't want bent and twisted in your life to make you the witness you need to be. But it would be all right with you if I, if I tweak some things in your life, if I bent them, if I twisted them, so that I could make you a more effective witness so you could lead a couple people to Jesus and those people would follow me in the waters of baptism and you would see them here at Bethesda Church being baptized in this baptistry because of your witness. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can you think of a greater thing to do in the Christian life? I can't. I can't think of a greater thing to do. And so we all want to be better witnesses. And that's a challenge for us. The second thing I want us to consider is the claims of Jesus. In John chapter 5, he is going to give us five witnesses to back up his claim that he is the Son of God. If you are here and you are a doubter, if you are an unbeliever, if you are lost today, I trust that you will take these five witnesses and analyze them and evaluate them in light of your life and in light of eternity that you will be standing in judgment before God one day and give an account of your life to these witnesses that God has given us. In John chapter 5, let's read down through it just so we see it. Lorena shared a couple verses with us. Beginning in verse 31. John 5, 31. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it to you that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the very work that the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. 
You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Now, in the opening verses of this text, Jesus makes an interesting statement about himself. He says in verse 31, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. Now, the reason Jesus said that is because he understood his opponents, he understood his audience, and I think that's a first step in us being a witness is we need to know our audience. Are they interested in what we are trying to share or not? I think about the uh, man who was hired as a salesman. One day he was speaking to a potential customer, and he said, this is actually a fire sale. He said, because my boss told me if I don't make any sales, I will be fired. (laughs) So he was interested in his audience knowing he needed to perform a sale. And it was pretty vital that he do that. Or the man who was interviewing for a new job, he was explaining how he was a responsible individual. And the manager who was interviewing him said, well, explain to me what you mean by being responsible. He said, well, it's like the last job I had, he said, that I got fired from. He said, every time something went wrong, I was responsible. You'll let that sink in. Um, We do have a responsibility before God to know our audience. Jesus knew his audience. And he knew that he had something that his audience needed. How about us as a witness? Do I understand my audience, the people that I'm trying to share with, and do I understand that I have something that they need? So Jesus says, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. Jesus saying he's not telling the truth? Is that why it's not valid? No. He's saying in the eyes of the Jews, it is not valid, and let me show you why. The Pharisees in chapter 8 of John challenged him, here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. They said, and why were they saying that? Because in Jewish culture, they would have to have two or three witnesses to make something valid or true in the minds of the Jews, in their Jewish culture. Jesus understood that. That's why he says, if I only testify about myself, my testimony is not valid because it's not two or three witnesses. I know you're going to say that, so let me just say it for you. So he knew his audience. Look here, Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, here he says, my testimony is valid though, because I'm the son of God. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. So he got more bold as he went on and explained. But this was after he gave these five witnesses as well that we're going to look at. But let me just show you going back into the law, 
Numbers chapter 35, verse 30. Anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses, but no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness because it was required in Jewish law to have two or three witnesses. Let me show you another one. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. You'll also recall that in Matthew 18, if you have an offense against a brother or sister in Christ in the church, instead of, and you go and try to resolve it yourself and you don't get it resolved, then the Bible says if he will not listen, you take what? One or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses to fulfill the Jewish mandate. Uh, so there, there's that whole idea. So the first witness that he calls to the witness stand, it's almost like Jesus is on trial here, and he's being tried. Is he, in fact, the Son of God or not? He claims to be equal with God. Is he, in fact, God or not? He said, let me call my first witness to the stand to prove I am the Son of God, John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a great one to call to the witness stand. Why? Why was he a great witness to call to the witness stand? Because he had baptized many of the Jews. The Jews looked up to him. They thought, man, they almost thought he was the Messiah. So they said, man, this man has weight and influence with the Jews. So let me call John the Baptist to the witness stand. So he does. In fact, if we go back to John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, what, is, what does John say about himself? There was a man Sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And that's John 1, 6 to 8. In John 1, 29, what does he say? Jesus is coming toward him and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The opponents of John were, or I mean, the opponents of Jesus were so impressed with John so Jesus calls John to the witness stand and says, testify on my behalf. And in fact, he did. However, the testimony of John did not have a lasting impact on the people. Because if you look down in verse 35 of chapter 5, you chose for a time to enjoy his light, but it didn't last He also goes on to say in John chapter 1, verses 32 to 34, and just flip over there for a moment and look at that. He says, then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, I witness that this is the Son of God. So here is a very clear testimony, apart from the testimony of Jesus himself, that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you not just believe my testimony? Will you believe the testimony of John, who many of you have been baptized by? Will you not even believe his testimony? One that you've looked to. Uh, what a great opportunity. Look in John 5.35. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. So I have some questions. It says John was a lamp that burned and gave light. Now in those days they had little handheld lamps with a little wick on it and it burned about the, the size of a flame of a candle. 
but what are we holding in our hands? What kind of candle, what kind of light are we being for God? Let me ask you a question. Are you a burning light for God? And if you are, do you have people who will testify on your behalf that you are? If I asked your closest friends, if I asked your closest family members, would they say he or she is a burning light for God? It's a big question. Are we or not? You just said, hopefully in your mind, if God could tweak and twist things in your life so that you could lead one or two people to Christ over this next year, wouldn't it be an awesome thing? You can't do that without being a light, a testimony for God. You can't do it without sharing the gospel with somebody. And I'll be the first to admit, I, wish, I need to share it a whole lot more than I do. I'll be the first to admit that before you and before God. I want to be a better testimony. You want to be a better testimony. That's why many of you are here. Is it obvious as to whom I am living for? Is it obvious to people around? No, not perfection, but is it obvious? He or she is a man of God, a woman of God, someone who loves God, someone who is shining and penetrating the darkness to make a difference for God. Yeah, that's me. I want to sign up. You also signed up for God to tweak you and twist you and bend you and take things out of your life and take things out of my life that are not pleasing to him. And it takes a lifetime to do that, a lifetime. But is it obvious? Another question, do I have a clear testimony for God? Is your testimony clear, unmistakable, consistent. It floors me. It floors me when people are around other people who are in Christian, either Christian school or church or whatever, and they say, you ought to hear the language that person uses when they're around their friends. I'm like, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. May that never be said of God's people. Our language ought to be pure. I mean, what does he say? Does my speech and my interaction with others promote the gospel? Oh, my goodness. We had better be careful with our tongues. It floors me the kind of jokes that people will say that I'm a believer in Jesus, and let me tell you about this joke, and man, I want to run and hide. Are you kidding me? You're a follower of Jesus? What kind of light, what kind of testimony is that? It's just a question, something we need to think about. Let's go to witness number two, Jesus works. Notice in chapter 5, verse 36, what does he say? I have testimony weightier than that of John. You've just heard about John. He said he is the Son of God. For the very work the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. Jesus' works are his another testimony. He just healed a man who had been lame for 38 years. He turned water into wine. <laughs> and he did all kinds of things. He's saying, believe the works that I've done. They're here as a standing testimony. If you watch somebody make a beautiful painting and you sit there and watch them do the painting, you're going to say, oh, you're not a painter. <laughs> oh, you're not an artist. Are you kidding me? When you just saw it in front of your very eyes? 
You watch somebody build a beautiful building or a beautiful house, and, and then you turn around and say, well, you didn't build that. I just saw you do these wonderful miracles. You're not a miracle worker. You just did the works of God and the miracles you did. You're not, a, you're not God. Are you kidding me? He just did the works of God. He said, I do what I watch my father doing. He said, haven't you been paying attention to the works that I've done? Are you going to deny the fact that I am God, a very God? And not only that, he read their minds. Because later on, he says, you don't even love God. That's what he said later in this chapter. Well, how did he know that? Because he can read their heart. So Jesus' works are there as a testimony. Notice what he says. Oops. Come back. John 10, 25. Jesus answered, I tell you, but you do not believe the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. Are you listening? <laughs> are you paying attention, he says, to what I've done? I mean, they're right there in front of you. Notice again. Do not believe me unless I do what my Father does, but if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles. How can you deny the fact that this man that was a paralytic is no longer healed? He was healed. He performed miracles. How can you deny it? And see, if you are an unbeliever, here's what's happening. Jesus is put on the witness stand to provide a witness to back up his claims. But by the time this speech is over, and these witnesses have all shared, he has turned around and put the Jews on the witness stand and said, now what are you going to do with what I've just shared with you. <laughs> you can't just be neutral. You will either believe me or you will deny me. What are you going to do? If you're an unbeliever, are you going to believe the facts? Are you going to believe the truth? Are you going to believe yourself? The facts are there. That you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father because I am God. That's what he's saying. Jesus wanted his audience to know that he was sent from God and was on a mission for his father. It didn't matter if he was one-on-one -on -one with like Nicodemus, a Jewish ruler, or in John chapter 4 with an immoral woman, or in John chapter 5 when he dealt with a paralytic man who had been sick for 38 years. He dealt with each of them individually because he knew his audience and what he was trying to communicate we need to know our audience to be a witness and to be a light and testimony. And people need to know. So here's some questions. Have you discovered God's mission for you? Jesus knew what his mission was. It was very clear. And it was from the Father. And he has given us as believers a mission. Are we fulfilling it? Do we know what God's mission is for us? And are we fulfilling it? Look. Look. How am I fulfilling God's mission in my life? That's a big question. You know what? We only have one life to give. And it says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's it. Only what's done for Christ. What are we going to do? Witness number three, the Father. He says in verses 37 and 38, 
John chapter 5. And the Father who has sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. He's saying now, you've had, I've given you testimony. John the Baptist has given you testimony. My miracles stand for me. Now let me, what about God the Father? <laughs> There's no higher authority than that. Are you going to deny him too? I mean, he's given all of these testimonies. He only needed two or three, but he gave five. And said, here's who I am. The Father has sent me. The Jews were unable to identify with the witness of the Father because they had never seen him nor heard him, and therefore they did not believe that Jesus came from God. They were tied to, to tradition, and Jesus did not fit their tradition. And unfortunately, Jesus doesn't fit a lot of our lifestyles in the 21st century either, does he? He just doesn't quite fit. He ought to. He wants to. He's relevant. Is he not? He's very relevant. Matthew 3.17 says, A voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Father has put his stamp of approval that he is the Son of God. Will you believe it if you don't? The Father is there as a witness. Let's move on to number four. Witness number four of the Scriptures. Look at beginning in verse 39. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but you know, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me, but if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? Testimony number four are the scriptures. You see, the major focus of a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, was to study the Torah, the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. He was to study that, and he loved studying that. Here was the problem. They studied the Torah to a fault, and they loved the Torah, but they failed to mix it with faith. You see, we can come and we can read the Scripture all we want to, and it can, it can have a mental impact on my mind, but if I want it to impact my heart, I've got to mix it with faith. I've got to believe what I'm reading, and it's got to change who I am. And that's important. So the scriptures are absolutely vital, but we got to mix it with faith in our lives. You see, what they searched for in the scriptures could only be found in Christ, and that was eternal life, could only be found in Jesus Christ, not just the scriptures alone. And he said, you have failed to find eternal life in the scriptures because you've rejected me, who is eternal life. Notice what he says in Acts 10.43, All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice what he says, All the prophets, the scriptures, have testified about Jesus. 
Do we believe the prophets? Here's another one, Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning who? Himself. He's talking about himself in the scriptures. They testify about me. John the Baptist, Jesus works, God the Father, the scriptures. All testify about him. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because by them you think you possess eternal life. They had faulty thinking because they thought they could get eternal life simply from reading the Torah. What enough. They also began to look for other messiahs. If you look down in verse 43, I have come in my Father's name and you do not accept me, but if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. There were many false messiahs even 200 years before Christ. Their goal was to get a following and make a name for themselves. Historical records say there were some 63 people who claimed to be the Messiah. Maybe that's why they struggled. Because there were so many running around saying, I'm the Messiah, but he's giving his stamp of approval as to why he is, in fact, the Messiah. He said, you're so busy trying to get praise and glory from one another and not from God. So here's the question. Do I read the scriptures without adding faith to what I am reading? If I want it to impact my life, I better read it and mix it with faith if I want it to change me. It's vital. Do I believe what the scriptures say about Jesus or not? Witness number five is Moses. Moses. Notice what he says in John 9, 29. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Jesus said that earlier, didn't he? <laughs> you don't even know where I'm coming from. And he says, we know that God spoke to Moses. So what does God, Jesus do? Let me point out one of my witnesses that you say God spoke to him. <laughs> Moses. Remember Mount Sinai? Remember God gave the law to that guy called Moses? Those guys that you put your faith in? Moses, you put your faith in? You study the Torah, the book that Moses wrote? Well, he's one of my testimonies too. He's one of my witnesses. Will you accept him? Because he believed in me. He wrote about me. And what a, what a powerful example. Luke 16, 31. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Wasn't that true enough because he rose from the dead and people still don't believe him. <laughs> true enough. If they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they wrote about me. You don't believe? You know, let's think about John 5 for a moment. It starts off, because we talked about this a couple weeks ago, with this paralytic man that was lame around a pool of Bethesda with a bunch of sick people. It was absolutely pathetic. The scene was pathetic. But you know what's just as pathetic? Is when the scene shifts a little bit later in chapter 5, and they're inside the temple and they're questioning the man about his, who did this on the Sabbath day? 
that was just as pathetic because they didn't believe. In other words, Jesus is saying, you thought the people out by the pool were sick. I'm telling you, people in the temple are sick. The Jews are sick because they haven't accepted me and my testimony, nor these five witnesses. You are just as pathetic as the paralytic man out by the pool. If you are in your sin and you haven't come to Jesus, you are pathetic and sick and you need Jesus Christ (laughs) to heal you. If you think you can heal yourself and turn yourself around, you are sadly mistaken. You need to humble yourself. And just like Jesus, when he talked to the paralytic man, he said what? Do you want to get well? The question is, do you want to be delivered from your sin? Or do you want to continue to wear a mask and play a game? Or do you want to take the mask off and say, God, I want to be real with you, and I want to know you personally. Because you know what? I get tired of games. And I'm sure God gets real tired of it. (laughs) So many people want to play a game. We've got a mission. We've got a world to reach. There's no time for games. We've got a world to reach. Jesus was labeled a blasphemer for telling the truth. He faced rejection and persecution, and later he was crucified. We can face the same labeling for telling the truth. We can face persecution and rejection for standing for the truth. Let me close with this story. Gabriel, or according to a legend, when Jesus returned to heaven following his death on the cross and resurrection from the tomb, the angels gathered in amazement. They gazed at the wounds in his hands and feet and shuddered to recall his suffering. Finally, Gabriel spoke. Master, you suffered terribly down there. Do they know and appreciate the extent of your sacrifice? No, said Jesus, not yet. In fact, right now, only a handful of people in Palestine even know about it. Then what have you done to let everyone else know? Asked Gabriel. Well, I've asked Peter, James, and John, and a few others to spread the news. They will tell others who will tell others until the message spreads to the ends of the earth. But Gabriel, knowing the nature of human beings, asked, What is plan B? I have no plan B, replied Christ. There is no alternative strategy. I'm counting on them. Twenty centuries later, God has no plan B. It is that he has told us and we have embraced the truth and we are to be his witnesses to tell others because there's no other plan. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What is God saying to you this morning? What mission are you on, honestly, sir, ma'am, young man, young lady? What mission are you on? 
Who are you living for? Are you fulfilling the mission that God has given you? Maybe you're here this morning and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. We just gave five witnesses to prove that Jesus was who he said he was. And if we believe that, then we also have to believe what he said about sin. And there's a price for sin. We pay for our own, which is separation from God forever, or we accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross as payment for our sin. That's the two choices. If you were to stand before God and God put you on the witness stand right now, what would your testimony be? Not just what would you say, what does your life say? God, help us be a better witness. I want to be a better witness, and I think many sitting in front of me want to be a better witness. I would love, love for God to bend us and tweak us so that this time next year we will have seen several people come through the waters of baptism as a result of our testimony. Wouldn't that be exciting? Man, it would be. If you have spiritual questions in your life, please see myself or someone before you leave. Don't just walk out. If the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart, please listen to Him and be a person of boldness to say, I need help. We want to help you in your spiritual walk. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus and the power of the gospel. Lord, we thank you for these five witnesses that we were able to look at this morning that validate the testimony of Jesus. Not that he needed them, but he did it for the sake of the Jews. But then, God, I think about our own testimony. I think about my own light. God, I want to be a better light. I want to be a better testimony. I want to have more courage and boldness. I want to know my audience. I want people to come to Christ. I want to share the gospel. God, may that be true of my brothers and sisters this morning too. And then, Lord, if there's someone here today who has never bowed their knee to you, perhaps they've been playing a game for a while. Maybe it's time that we close up the board and pack the game away and get real. And say, God, I'm a sinner. I am a filthy, rotten sinner. I deserve your wrath. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and paid my penalty in full that I could be forgiven and reconciled to a holy God. Lord, might they humble themselves and receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, I also pause to pray for the Boyds today. Steve and Ann, I thank you for them, their lives. I thank you for them wanting to be a witness and testimony for you in the Philippines. Lord, I thank you for those who have already supported them and those who will yet today as they leave. I just pray, God, your blessing on them. Give them safety and travel. Bless their health. Lord, use them as a great encouragement as they come alongside Dennis and Eden and a support and 
May many lives be touched and may their own lives be changed as well. And may you give them direction as they look to you for the future. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you have any questions or want to know more about our church, please go to our website at www.bchweb.org or find us on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.